0: Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host,
1: Tim Berg. Joining me today in the Above180.com podcast is Mike Shady. Mike was recently elected into the USBC Hall of Fame. Mike bowled collegiately at the University of Nebraska and University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. He has one PBA title, the 1992 Earl Anthony PBA Open in Dublin, California. He has two USBC Eagles, a 2005 team all-events and 2011 regular team event, as well as 13 top-10 finishes. Mike is on staff with Ebonite International. Mike, I want to thank you for joining me today.
2: Well, it's always great to be with you, Tim, and um time I get a chance to talk bowling, uh, it puts me in a good a good mood and a good uh, start to rest of my day.
1: So, Mike, you were just recently elected into the 2017 USBC Hall of Fame. Ceremony is going to take place in April of next year. Talk about that process and how it works for some folks who maybe unfamiliar. Is it similar to other sports, or how does it go? And do you get a phone call, and uh, ultimately, how does how does that progress?
2: Well, I, I think it's, it's I think it's similar to other sports. I think there's a um, I think there's a ballot, and they they have a committee, uh, and who that committee is comprised of, I have no idea. And, and they they look at your accolades or your your basically your career over the, um, I don't know what I think it's twenty plus years. And um, And and they make a decision based on uh, uh, the performance category. And and I got a call last Friday from uh, Frank Wilkerson, the the president of the USBC, and. And the first thing he started with was, uh, hey Mike, uh, the greatest part of my job as the president is to uh, welcome new members into the Hall of Fame, welcome aboard. And, and that was, um, I knew I was on the ballot and you, you kind of, you kind of you put your head there at times and wonder, boy, that would be a really neat achievement. But I don't get caught up in that too much. Uh, you know, I just, um, I stay in the, the now and, and, um, the reality part of life and, but I tell you what, when he told me that, that was a uh, just an incredible feeling. I, you know, I, I immediately I uh, reflected back on how it all started. You know, five years old in a little midwestern town of Wisconsin, uh, uh, bowling with my brothers. The first time I, I picked the ball up to, um, um, you know, kind of my journey uh, at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse when we made the national championships and we we bowled against uh, West Texas who. Yeah, a lot of people call it the greatest team ever put together. I think it was in collegiate bowling. You know, they all five guys get uh, PBA titles. you had got Um Scroggins, uh, you, you've got uh, the Scroggins, Jimmy Davis. Um, so it was, uh, it, it was just a great week. Uh, and, and as I told um, uh, the USBC, without that week, we wouldn't be having that conversation. I pulled great that week. I uh, had a uh, I made the all-tournament team, and I remember bowling with the University of Nebraska, the the bowling team, and and I was more interested in their coach, Bill Straw, because he was a guy, when I was growing up, watching bowling, he was on TV quite a bit, and I made the all-tournament team and, and got to know the guys, and I said, hey, can you introduce me to your coach? I'd love to talk to him. Went up to him, and Bill said, what do you want to do for the rest of your career in the sport of bowling? I said, well, Bill, I'd like to do what you do. And that's uh, being a professional. How are you going to get there? Uh, you know, Bill, I've never thought of it. I just work hard. Well, who uh, oversees that that structure and that uh, you know who coaches you? And the next thing he asked, would you ever consider coming out here? I've never considered that. But later that summer, my dad and I jumped in the car, took a drive out to Nebraska, and he sold the program. You know, I sat out that first year and, and started competing and compete against the uh, the guys like Ricky Steelsmith, Roman Keeley, uh, Kazuski, and you know, we, we were we were bowling against Wichita State every weekend, and, and that that's how it all started. Without that tournament, Tim, there's no way I would have had development, and there's no way you and I would be talking about the USBC Hall of Fame.
1: Great story, Mike. So, who um, after you got that call, who was the first person then that you
0: called?
2: Well, I, I called. Um, I called my parents first. Uh, you know, it all started. Uh, it all started back home. My father had a bowling center, and, and uh, he's the reason I fell in love with the game. And and uh, uh, you know, I called. Uh, I called my siblings, my brothers and sisters, and and um, the next call went to, went up to the guy in Nebraska, <clears throat> Bill Straub, uh, I just told him what happened, and, uh, and then I called um, uh, my teammates, uh, the USBC guys I bowl with for the last 21 years. And, I uh, shared the uh, shared the story there and um but it was um yeah it was, I know my dad was choked up a little bit uh, he's uh, 79 uh, uh, getting close to 80 and um yeah it's just you think back that uh, just an ordinary family and small town ripping and um you you get recognized as as one of the uh, premier players in in that you know that venue and that venue's been going on for many, many years. So that was, uh, that was exciting. It, you know, it, it's just, a, as I told Jeff Riggles, it's a great way for me to, uh, when the ceremony comes, is to, to stand up there and, and really give, give my gratitude and, and be humble about it and, and uh, just thank just all the many people who have poured their energies and their, their expertise and, and their talents into me over the years building my character, building my game. Um, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of... I've been in a place at the right time, you know, back to the story at lacrosse, um, meeting the right people, having great opportunities in the industry, being with Ebonite for the last 25 years. I've been fortunate, and um, I've worked hard along those years, but uh, there's been a lot of bowlers in this game that's worked as hard as I have and haven't had those opportunities. So it, uh, it'll give me a, uh, an opportunity to thank really everybody who's been along that entire journey.
1: Well, I know, Mike, one of my very fond memories was myself, uh, Joe Sorara, and we were at Bowl Expo. We attended the ceremony with uh, Jeff Riggles of 11thframe.com and your teammate. We attended the Hall of Fame ceremony for him down in in Texas, and it truly was a great and uh, one of those nights that I'm always going to remember, always going to cherish being a part of seeing those guys from Wayne Webb to Jeff To, you know, everyone there, it was just um, uh, Virginia Norton. You know, it was just a really uh, a night that, again, I'm going to always remember and always be thankful that I was able to take part. in. you know, let's move along a little bit and talk about the USBC Open Championships. Um, A lot of things being done, a lot of different opinions on some of the latest uh, things that Chad Murphy is doing with the USBC Open Championship and some of the new rules for this year. And, I mean, I guess... You have to give Chad a lot of credit for trying, trying to get the numbers back up to where they once were. We've seen, you know, a decrease in teams of folks coming out, and I know Chad's working his best to get those numbers back to where they once were. And, I mean, if anything, Mike, we at least, you know, we we have to keep the tradition, but then we also have to try to to move forward and get the team numbers back to where we all once want them and and keep bowling interesting and keep members coming out to bowl the USBC Open Championship.
2: Well, you, you know... You, you can't you can't sit and expect tradition to continue and, and not make changes. So you gotta you gotta get aggressive. Um, I, I think anybody who's who's um, proactive and, and can think a little bit ahead of, of today uh, would do that. Whether it's business, whether it's a, the membership organization that Chad runs today, I mean he's he's doing what he thinks is going to work, what's going to build some membership. So you you gotta applaud him and. In that regard. Um, but it, you with that, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have guys that uh, disagree with it. Um, I am for anything that builds a sport. Like I said, it, it is. Um, I, I, I told um, the uh, gentleman who called me from the USBC, I said, bowling is one of those things in my life that when the storms kind of roll in and, and, and you're challenged in life, it's kind of like your, your pet, your old pet dog, Jake, who's always to the right of you. You know, he's always there, uh, waiting for you. There's unconditional love there. And I kind of look at bowling that way. I've always, it's always been just kind of my go-to and when, when I need to, you know, develop more confidence and, and, um, it's just treated me really well. So anything that can build that and, and create a future for, uh, the next generation, the generation after that, I'm all for it. Now, some of those, uh, some of those ideas, do I agree with a hundred percent? No, I I don't. But like I said, if even if I don't agree with them and it works, you know, it's, it's been a good decision. Um, Now, will they all work? It's just like business. You, you, you you make a, you make a decision based on, um, you know, whatever uh, problem there is, you you develop a, a solution based on the, the possibilities and, some work, some don't. So um, I hope they work because if you know if we continue to throw stuff out there and it, it continues to uh, fail, you know, where, where does the game go? I don't know. I, I know it's uh, it continues to decline on a competitive standpoint, and that's the last thing any of us want to see.
1: Yeah, well, along those same lines, kind of the latest that came out was the talk. Uh, the, uh, the video policy for the 2017 championships which you know we all, we all kind of wondered the assumption and it was made true that the live streams are going to be ending which were something that a lot of teams watch to gain knowledge and and kind of help themselves and, and plan their arsenal plan their attack plan where they wanted to play the lanes when they were heading out to the uh, the host city and, and you know the latest was basically saying that look you can't videotape you know you can't facebook live stuff you can't videotape uh, with your phone, you know, full comp- competition and watch, you know, a full game of a team. But if obviously it's a guy going for an honor series, they're not going to come behind you and take your phone away when you're videoing the guy's last couple shots. Um, is that is that something I know you guys, you guys had been on the live stream a lot, so it's something that a lot of uh, your competitors – that were bowling against you would watch and see what you guys would do. So I'm wondering, is that something you maybe have, you know, kind of mixed feelings on? But then conversely, you guys did the same thing, and you'd watch the streams before you. So what are your thoughts on on some of that stuff and ending the live streams?
2: Well, you know, I think we were the first the first team ever that was live streamed in that venue, and <clears throat> I wasn't a big proponent of it. I I was I was a little bit against it. I I just thought one of the things our team had for years. Over the younger guys coming up was the you know the amount of years of experience. We kind of had to kind of go through the school of hard knocks and pay those dues a little bit, and 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 we would benefit because of our experience. And then when somebody is uh, with social media today, basically telling you what balls, how they sequence surface uh, layouts, and then you got a visual where they play in the lanes. um, I thought that took our our advantage away. GREATLY, and, and uh, in fact, if, if I had to put a number out, I would say it's, it may have cost us some eagles over the years. However, that being said, that has been out there for years, and to try to pull that back with today's technology, I think the logic is there of why you don't want that, but, but the, the reality of that is it, it's not possible. You're talking to an educator in a school who has a policy with no cell phones. And it's been policy for years, and it's impossible. Those things uh, try to govern that and police that, uh, and we have we have a lot of bodies around the building trying to police it. It can't be done. So to try to do that at at the USBC, when you get spectators, and uh, that's gonna that's gonna leak out to some people, um, and then now you're creating a a feel that may not be. As equal or as fair as as uh, it could be for the entire you know, field of the competition, meaning some guys may see something, get information, um, but they want to conceal everything. So you got you've got a you've got a challenge there, and I I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I I can't see with technology today as sophisticated and as advanced it is um, how you can keep that contained inside that venue and not have it leaked out. I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's possible. So I, I think I, I, it should have just been status quo. It's been, we've been doing it for years. Keep it going. I mean that's just, that's the, the era, the age we live in. Um, I, I think it, um, I think it's promoted. It's a, uh, a characteristic of our, of the millennials or the Y generation today. I think that's kind of how they, uh, Uh, Whether it's baseball, football, basketball, everything is is video. Everything is coaching is related to video, competitions related to video. It's just where this this culture is kind of wired together today. And they try to pull that back. I understand his logic in it, but um, I don't think it's going to work.
1: Well, Mike, I know you do some writing, and I want to remind other folks, check out BowlingThisMonth.com. Lots of great insight there. You'll do some things from time to time for them as a special guest writer, but you can check out interviews, ball reviews, uh, tips on how to improve your game, all sorts of stuff right now. Seeing a great interview with Ron Moore on the website. Also, the PWBA Roundtable, where they're talking about the offseason and how folks handle the uh, PWBA off season on the from the ladies' perspective there. Also, like I said, all the ball reviews on your left-hand side, every company's ball review up there. Again, check out all the great stuff at bowlingthismonth.com. All right, other big news this week was Sean Osborne of Houston, Texas, rolled the 30th 900 series, you know, 300, 300, 300 in a three-game set. Did you ever think in your lifetime going back, you know, from when you started bowling that we'd have 30 – people that have rolled a set like that, a, a, a 900 series?
2: I never have. Um, I, I worked with the, uh, the first guy I ever do was Jeremy Sonnefeld, And Jeremy, uh, I used to do a lot of clinics up in, in Shoe Falls, South Dakota. And when Jeremy was 12, 13 years old, he would sit in on every one of my clinics. His father would have us come up. And then I started working with him for years. And I can still sure remember getting a phone call on a Sunday evening when he shot 900 and I thought, you got to be kidding me. And, and I didn't think anybody would ever shoot it again. I just thought it was a fluke. I mean, he was a great player, but there's been, there's been unbelievable players that have never come close because it's just so hard to put 36 strikes in a row, but now there's been 30. Um, no, I didn't think that would ever be, you know, you, you think of, uh, Ray Orf who used to have the record and Glenn Allison, who was thrown out and, after jeremy you got 20 29 more after that um it it, it's uh (laughs) it's hard to will i ever shoot 900 probably not
1: well and and even going back to jeremy i mean he was probably using what like the, the the rhinos and like even the the equipment differentials from back then from his 900 to now i mean they've changed by leaps and bounds from you know all the all the stronger cores and all the stronger equipment so even for a guy like that who shot it, it has to be like, really, this is, you know, it almost kind of, I don't know, you know, achievement is the wrong word, but it's almost like it's different. It has to have that different, you know, it'd be like doing it this, it would be in these days almost doing it with, like, well, it would be like doing it with like a urethane piece.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just so hard to believe with the amount of transition that develops on a lane that you can continue to chase it and know when it's going to transition and do it 36 times in a row and carry. Uh, you know, there's been nights where, you know, you and I have, have uh, bowled extremely well in league and and uh, you know hit the one three pocket 36 times. But to try to do it and strike every shot is and to say there's been 30 perfected scores series in the sport of bowling is um, you know, we could argue is it, is it good for the sport. I mean, we could, we could spend the next hour talking about that, but to, to try to wrap your head, um, no, and there'll be more, I mean, there'll be more, I mean, 30 and, uh, I watched that, that bowler throw his last three shots, um, and there'll be more of him coming out, uh, one or two a year i don't know what we average what do we average one or two a year now
1: yeah that's 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 pretty close actually yeah um also want to mike get you in you want to check out more on mike check out ppbowling.com you can Check out uh, Mike Mike's latest reviews on the Ebonite equipment. Also, check out some coaching stuff he's doing, or you can get some of his uh, some camps that you do all over the summer, Mike, and also individual lessons, DVDs, etc. So make sure you check out um, ppbowling.com, um, Mike. Along those lines of coaching, you know, I, I got an email, and that was kind of one of the things. There was a couple different things I wanted to hit with you, but I got an email from a guy who just said, "Man, I'm, I'm super frustrated with my game. It feels like I just I'm not putting." I'm not putting a lot into the game, but then equally I'm frustrated when I go out on the lanes and even I'm struggling now on the house patterns. I mean, is there anything without knowing the guy's game or anything, what, what you can, what you'd say to someone like that, who maybe is in a rot or maybe even frankly, they're just listening and they're in, you know, they've bowled what is it? Maybe 15, 18 weeks into league six, you know, whatever. And they just feel like they're, you know, they're stuck in that same old rut of, of, uh, of everything.
2: Well, the first thing I would, I would, Say, is you know, you've, when you start getting frustrated like that, somehow you've got to switch that started getting motivated and excited again. And uh, whether that's uh, working in your physical game, I, you know, I, I've been doing a lot in the last 16 months with mental conditioning. I help out with some sports here in a small school district, and we've really been attacking that. I got back with my old sports psychologist who just finished up a uh, seven year stint with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, he's retired now from Wisconsin. And I really study that. So those are, as I always tell my students, you have two sides to know an axe. You got the physical side and the mental side, and you got to have them both sharp. But you know, if you're struggling that bad, the first thing I would attack is is I'd get a coach who you can trust. Who, in a lot of my bowlers that come to me that are struggling, is they have too many coaches. You know, there's so many different philosophies out there. You got to get a guy that you can trust and, and and make sure your technique can develop repetition when it comes to accuracy. Can you hit your target? And then uh, if your technique's good enough, are you everything over the fall line? Are you pulling the lanes properly? Do you get uh, get the right ball in your hands? Um, Some leak patterns, they they overdo them so much. It creates such a black and white, a wet, dry condition that those can be very, very challenging, even though it's a leak pattern. So first thing I look at is physical. uh, Even have somebody take some... A video of you and take a look at it. Uh, there's so many resources online today. you can study the game and kind of break it down. Um, and then the spares is a big one. I, I, I'm working with a, with a guy right now who's missing two three single pins a game and he's he's got a goal to try to get to 220 in league and and um, we're really um, developing a spare system with him, and he's got to realize that I don't care how good I can make your physical game. you can't you can't give up two or three holes a game. Uh, so so is he struggling because of spare? Sounds more physical. And then if you got all that stuff going on, you know, how um, how realistic are your goals? Are you are you bullying in the in the now? I call it the win perspective or the wind philosophy philosophy, what's important now? Um, staying in the present, uh you know, what's your self talk sound like between your ears? Is it negative? Your affirmation statements? Do you continue to beat yourself up because you're not the effect or the score, the performances and living up to what your expectation is. If that's the case, you know, we've got to change the self-talk because no matter how good of athleticism or your God-given ability is, you will only perform up to your self-image, and that's created by your self-talk. So you've got to increase or heighten your self-talk, your self-image, through your self-talk, learn how to relax, and then, you know, there's some visualization imagery exercises that'll that'll take that image and build it up to your God-given ability. And now you're starting to, as I call my website, you're starting to bowl at a peak performance level. Um, so first thing I would do is get him excited again. You've got to get excited because if you, I tell anybody who works with me, if you walk in the league and you're spending two to three hours a night and you walk out with a miserable experience, you will not do that activity much longer. That's the main reason I don't golf anymore. I just don't have fun doing it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm um, <laughs> right there on the golf side of things too, because and um, and that's honestly too some things you know we were we were talking a little bit too about sometimes how life just gets in the way of folks and and their game as well, and and bowling might not be as high of a priority at, at a certain point in their life too. So something else for folks to keep in mind as well when they're you know when they're practicing and and I guess when you're working with a coach you mentioned finding you know only listening to one coach i think that's key because there's like you said there's so many great coaches out there and um, but then also working with a coach who's available when you want, when you're able to work with them not that the coach is always coaches on the road or the coach is, is um, you know somewhere where you it's harder for you to get to or necessarily and um, and you're only able to see them that once in that blue moon because as a coach i guess and as a as a coach do you like to have a student and i know you do clinics and stuff where you help people out and give them stuff to do and stuff to work on. But um, is it something where you like to see them more often and then they're able to send you video so you can see their progress or see what they're doing moving forward when you work with them?
2: You know, it, I, I do like to work on as much as I can. However, I, I always I always tell them this before the next lesson. I said, I'm not going to schedule your next lesson. However, I would like to see you within within the month or within the next couple of weeks, but do not get back to me until... You feel you have basically down what we've been working on. And I, I I just don't like students coming back and and we are uh, if we're working on timing uh, and timing's a tough one, but it it's no different than what we left when you left or she left. So you got to put some time in before I see you again. But when I get some of those those uh, those players who are really really hard workers, you know, I work with them. Uh, even some of my out of town and I even get some people from Canada that come down. i work on them twice a month. Uh, sometimes, uh, uh they'll come down once a week. Um, and, and I don't mind. i work as much as I can, but I've got to see progression from the previous lesson. I, I don't want to waste their money. I don't want to waste their time or my time just by, um, saying the same thing. And a lot of my young youth bowlers, are like that. They don't like putting the time in. They like the lesson because they think I've got a magical wand and I can wave it a couple times and and they're going to be better when they leave. But you got to you got to put the time in. I'm a I'm a skill progression coach. You got to develop those those techniques through skills, uh, the drills that I, uh, that I teach you. And if you don't do that, it's very very if not impossible to develop a technique from start to finish uh, because there's so many. So many movements from your setup to your finish, you got to break it into a drill.
1: All right, Mike. Well, I always like uh, you've been on staff, like you mentioned, with Ebonite for for over 20 years. So let's talk about some of the latest stuff coming out of uh, of Hopkinsville and what you're liking in their lineup on the on the Ebonite side track and and hammering what you're seeing and what you're uh, you know what uh, what's working for you these days.
2: Well, I, I've been throwing the the Warriors quite a bit. We've got the Maverick. Um, I don't know if that's even out to the public yet, um, but I, I do have the, the new Maverick, which is in the Warrior Series. Um, I've got uh, the Warrior Supreme, which I love. Um, the Mission the Mission Unknowns, I have the black one, which is a little bit cleaner than most missions, so you get the angle it's back. I'll use that as a, uh, a ball that um, I need to sequence through and the front goes a little bit. But i tell you the but I tell you the ball I really been throwing a lot of lately is the, uh, the phenom, the game breaker too. um, a lot of those game breakers for me, not a lot, but the last few have been so clean in the front that, uh, I just get, uh, I get, I get a little bit of hang when there's transition, but this has got more of the covers, much more aggressive and uh, I just matches, matches up really well with me. Um, so I've been, I've been throwing more, uh, more the Ebonite. Uh, I do, uh, I do throw some of the Whittle series yet, uh, from Hammer. Great core. That matches up with me well. Um, but that's, that's mainly what I've been throwing lately. The, the new, uh, Eluri series, the, the Maverick. Um, I like more aggressive balls for me because I can get it through the front so clean. Uh, that ball is pretty aggressive. Um, but it gets through the front clean, picks up the mids and, um, just uh, it, it, it's, it's not too angular at the back because I don't like balls that go skid flip, but it's very, very strong. I call it kind of a strong arc motion at the back. So those are balls I've been throwing um, in, in leagues. I bowled a tournament last week, and I threw those balls as well.
1: Awesome stuff. Uh, again, Mike Shady, I want to thank you for joining me again. Uh, Mike, where is the best place for folks to check you out online if they're looking for your DVDs and, and how to get in touch with you regarding a lesson?
2: Uh, we just, uh, just redesigned my website, uh, ppbowling.com. Uh, I'm going to, uh, we're starting a blog as well. I, uh, my blog is going to focus on, um, uh, it's going to be more coaching, uh, really all the, the areas of, of coaching, the, the, uh, the, uh, pillars of coaching and, and, uh, the mental, the, um, even the, uh, the, the parent side of coaching, if you've got a, an athlete, how to parent that athlete as a bowler. So, um, that, uh, that's where you can check it out. A lot of good stuff, new stuff on there. Like I said, it's all redesigned, so uh, check it out. And uh, there's a, if you need to get a hold of me as well, there's a contact on there, and feel free to shoot me an email.
1: <laughs> Great stuff, Mike. I will be checking that blog out because uh, as a son, uh, person who has a uh, son who's a junior bowler who's left-handed who will not get his feet left or right, I should say, right of 10, uh, I am uh, pulling the little hair out that I have. Let's just put it that way. And um, I'm going to be checking that out and and, uh, and seeing what tips <laughs> tips you have for me because it gets so frustrating watching them go crossover, crossover, crossover. And you're like, move your feet to the right, and you'll be right where you need to be. But, um, again, dads don't always know best, according to 11-year-olds yeah, that, these days. Well, the
2: hardest thing to do, Jim, is try to coach your, your kids. There's nothing more challenging. They They literally... Um, think
1: you can't spell bowling most of the time. So, <clears throat> well, yes, um, that uh, that is true. So, uh, again, Mike, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Okay, and and Mike, I'd love to once you get that blog up and running. Once we get things going, I'd like to find a way to get that up on on 180com dot com as well. If we can um, share that link and we'll post it and draw people back to you, if anything. But anything uh, and any more content that we can, you know, bowlers can learn from you. We always say knowledge is key, and any way we can help you with that please let me know okay
2: Tom's good thanks uh, thanks for the, the time again tim always enjoy it and anytime you want to chat bowling just give me a holler